Hey everybody, welcome to season three of Surface Level, a show that takes a look at society's expectations and rejects the ones we don't see it for, all from the perspective of three black queer best friends. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan, and today, Tony Damon and I are discussing safe sex and risky business. Has advancements in HIV prevention led to riskier sex practices? How has party drugs disproportionately affected Black queer communities? This is Party and Play. Party and Play. All right, you guys. <laughs> so a lot has happened since we took a break in December. Yes. For I've been at home praying. I don't know about y'all. You have been at home. Oh. And for starters, Damon has added approximately 60 new pieces of art to his living room <laughs> as of this morning. It may have changed this afternoon. Don't, don't know. Love the gallery wall. Love the gallery house at this point. <laughs> Definitely gallery house. <laughs> um, Tony is fully vaccinated, and he is about to start island hopping. The bitch is back. Hello? And, of course, me and Damon will be on this camp that we call America while Tony is living his best life. Tony Listen. is a super spreader. Guess what? But, <laughs> but not I'm the way you think, something. Oh, we know. And me, yours truly, I wore a entire latex outfit for the very first time <laughs> in my life we... for this episodes cover art and we had to lay her down on the floor because she couldn't stand sit or move you need a crew to come lift her up on a gurney <laughs> that that though that those pants were not my size but they were my size <laughs> so <laughs> if you are a listener of um the podcast and you are not familiar with our instagram make sure that you look at our instagram at surface level podcast we do have art for every single episode that we record mm -hmm. and um yeah this my, is my, my art that goes onto mine's walls <laughs> <laughs> right we'll, we'll print one of them out into a poster um but there's a lot of latex in this week's um but today we're talking about sex with the emphasis on how it impacts our health but you know how we do. Uh, we love to warm up with a game. Gotta yes. warm the girls up. Always and gotta use lube. Oh, what? Hold on. Because you never should just like, you know. Well, you never yeah. penetrate. I dry, mean, a, I, a dry moment. Well, we were we were talking about games. We played we, a game. We were. I mean, I maybe that's about sex. Maybe that's a yeah. game for Tony. Tony, super spreading. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. So we're gonna play a game to help listeners, you know, get up to speed with what we've been up to since December. All right. Great. Mm -hmm. So the first question. How many underground parties have you been to since COVID started? Oh, <laughs> underground. Uh-huh. By underground, like, liter like literally underground? No, like illegal. Oh, nothing's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, five? Okay. I think, like, not many. <laughs> Just you like, know, but they're, they've been like speakeasies. Like, you what's, know, what's, this, what's that? It means like you got to speak easy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't speak too much in my face. <laughs> um, I ain't really been to shit. Like, even when we've gone somewhere, like we went to this one activity and I was like, okay, there's a balcony. I'm going to stand out there until I get cold because I'm not standing inside with all you girls. Um, <laughs> I don't know. People make me uneasy. I don't like people in real life, regular life. So. <laughs> I'm not really like clamoring to get out and have to sneak around with people I naturally don't want to be around anymore. Anyway. So COVID is, has allowed you to be more of who you are. Lean into it, baby. <laughs> I know that's right. Um, I've been to three. Okay. Um, okay. And impossible. <laughs> definitely an impossible because sometimes it's blurry. You don't know if it's a party or if it's like, what is this? <laughs> um, so I know that it's only April, um, but what has been your happiest memory of 2021 so far? 
Oh, I know. Has there been any joy? <laughs> <laughs> Has there been any joy? I well, one one happy moment for me was a, an, an impromptu visit from my dad and my aunt Crystal and my dad's girl and like their friends. They were celebrating because my my aunt and them they actually worked down at the Javits. You know, they are vaccinating New York City <laughs> and yes, doing the Lord's work, right? And so they just were celebrating like being back employed because a lot of them had lost their jobs and now they're all like working again. And they were in Harlem celebrating, and then they came to my apartment impromptu, and we had a dance party. When I say it was so black and beautiful <laughs> and it sparked so much joy in my life. And they were like, okay, tell me your place is the spot. I was like, this is a, seems like a pattern. Did you, <laughs> did you play before I let go? Oh, yeah. well, actually, no, but we played a lot of, we played, mm. ooh, you know what I did play? What? I'm curious. Yeah. <laughs> our, our new theme song for Surface Level podcast <laughs> is Curious. You guys go look it up. <laughs> I want to know what's on your mind. I'm curious. That's our, yes. Uh, That's our new <laughs> anthem. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I went home for my mom's 61st birthday. It was just me and her, and we had a really good time, like, went to lunch together. Um, and, like, just, I haven't been able to spend a lot of time with her, obviously, and with some of the things that happened in my family, it was just nice to have a little quiet moment with her. With her. So that was nice. That is sweet. Yeah, less dramatic than Tony and Listen, his family reunion. You know, I live for the drama. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um... I actually will say that my happiest moment was with you guys. Here she go. No, seriously. Uh, That's so, a lie. No, That's so, a lie. <laughs> when I actually tell the story, you're going to believe me. But okay. uh, when we went to D.C., so that trip was a little bit crazy because, like, it was the weekend after the insurrection. Mm. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we weren't, we weren't sure if we were going. Um, but we did go, and we mm. went there to um, visit our friend Dorian, who was our guest on episode one of season two. Mm -hmm. um, and we just had a really great time just sort of, like, being away from the city. And it was just a beautiful moment. Like, I, I really enjoyed the hot tub. Oh, yes. I really enjoyed And it was like, how cold was it that night? <laughs> Extremely <Right>. cold. <laughs> Now let me and tell you about these lion heifers. We went to DC to move my sister in. No, you went to oh, DC yeah, to I move forgot. No, 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 baby. <laughs> no, we went to DC that. because I and I was just like, I'm going to move my sister in. They were like, Oh, we'll come. I say, if y'all come, y'all gotta help. Asked we them did how help. We moved all those bags from the car. They moved to and then the... sat there and watched me put together every piece of furniture in that apartment. Oh, I couldn't do. I can't. I can't build the furniture. Oh, and this white can't get these that, sissies that a was, hammer. They can't do nothing. You know, that was not mentioned. Furniture putting together. Mm -mm. That, you what? know, I don't do that. <laughs> Useless. What's the next question? Okay, so in the spirit of today's topic about sex health, mm -hmm. um, I thought it would be fun to recite a sexually explicit rap. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are going to name that rapper from the options that Card I Cardi provide. B. <laughs> um, I want that jet lag from fucking and flying. Ooh. Shoot a child in your mouth while I'm riding. Oh, my God. Is it Rico Nasty, Lil Nas X, Cardi B, or Cakes the Killer? Ooh. Um, well, <laughs> look at me knowing the answer. <laughs> you know the, I, you, you know the answer. I'm a gag if I, if I get it wrong, but I think I know it's, I think it's Lil Nas X. What do you think? I don't know. Rico Nasty? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought she sang. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't something. know she rapped. 
thought she sang or something. <laughs> no, it's it's Little Nas X. He just uh, ding 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 ding. He said he, that. Yeah, he, he said that. He just oh. he you said that. <laughs> Come on, Candy. No, he has a song called Montero. Call me by your name. Um, me by your name. It's a very sexually explicit song. Um, <laughs> but you know, we love the liberated kids these days. <laughs> um, and then the last question. Um, what's one thing you want to accomplish in 2021? Could be big, could be small, could be intrinsic. Hmm. Ooh, this is real meta. It got real meta. It got real big. <laughs> I was just like, oh. Ooh, it's very meta. <laughs> it was. What do you want to accomplish in 2021, right. It could be. It could be. I want to accomplish a really <laughs> good if... episode right now. It could be small. It could be big. It could be. You know. What are... I want to continue to gag the girls <laughs> week after week. <laughs> you know. Uh, what? I don't want to be bored. Yes. Like, and that's also real meta. But like, <laughs> I, it, it's just like professionally, personally, uh, I just want to experience, continue to experience new things, continue to stretch myself. Um, yeah, I don't, and I don't want to be bored. Yeah, I think for me, uh, adulting. You know, I'm just, I'm just now kind of arriving to it. I know people think girl, like you, people think, oh, girl, you doing you doing it right. I'm like, yeah, OK, <laughs> you, you you walk in a day in my shoes. All right. Now. Um, but I I think becoming more of an adult and just being more responsible while still, you know, having a good old clatch at time. I think that's what I want to do is like you're saying, have I want to have fun. I want to not I want to be an adult, but I don't want to be like, all right, now it's time old for me ma to go to bed every night. I am me at 9 p.m. <laughs> Jordan, um, what, what are your aspirations in life? Oh, so yeah, that's that's my answer. My aspirations. <laughs> Jordan, what are your aspirations? <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> speaking of which, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm in the studio right now, so obviously I'm in the studio. <laughs> She's in the studio. I am David Ruffin. In these are the temptations. <laughs> I mean, I'm in the studio. Like we're not with her. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's like a part of my answer. So like, I'm in the studio right now. So obviously, I'm in the mindset of the podcast. Yes. Um, so that's top of mind right now. And I think that what I want to accomplish in 2021 is to continue you to um, grow our platform. I feel like we've received so much positive feedback and so many really touching messages from people who are listening who feel like it's making an impact on their life. So yeah. I just want to continue doing that. It's been really fulfilling. So I'm really excited about that. And we're going to check in at Beyond the Surface Level, the finale, to see if, you know, <laughs> if you're not bored and if you're having fun. I'm bored. I'm, and if, if we I'm grew, bored. And if we grew this podcast at all. <laughs> <laughs> are you out there? Are you listening? <sighs> Please listen. This shit cost a lot. Um, <laughs> so moving into our conversation, we wanted to start this season this way because think looking back on some of the things we shared last season, we had an episode titled Undetectable, which was yeah. about HIV destigmatization, and we shared some really personal experiences, um, notably Tony's public reveal of his status. Um, and it ended up actually being our best performing episode ever. So thank you guys for listening sharing. I know Tony feels especially loved with all the feedback that he got from the episode. Absolutely. Um, and we just thought it was really important to advance on that conversation and continue the conversation around sexual health. So that's where we're starting for season three. Yes. Um, so to kind of give a bit of background about what where our heads were, I guess, uh, in a different time. So what was everyone's ap um, idea towards sex, their sex life before PrEP? And before the time of being undetectable and having uh, drugs that you can't transmit. Uh, Jordan, let's start with you. Um, I think that sex uh, in my earlier years. 
Um, <laughs> I think she's it, an old queen. I think it was a lot of anxiety. Um, I think that, you know, entering into the community and becoming sexually active, I think that there's a lot of emphasis on um, HIV, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think that before, you know, we've had these amazing advancements in medicine, I think that you had to sort of rely on this other person to really be truthful. Um, and your only line of defense was condoms. Um, there may have been more, but for me, that was the only line of defense that I knew to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that my approach before was like very anxiety inducing. I mm-hmm. think that yeah. now it's obviously different. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like you, like I would have sex sometimes and I'll just be like, oh my goodness, like. That's Did it. something happen? <laughs> like, <laughs> is it happening? This is it. So <laughs> that was kind of like the experience for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tony. Uh, kind of similar to what Jordan was saying, like pr- in a pre-prep era, it definitely was giving like condoms was your only option. Mm-hmm. And you were preached to use condoms and it was shoved down your throat, slapped in your face. It was. Oh, we still talking about the condom. You know, you had. To. Right. <laughs> Where this? Sounds fun. It was. De- oh, Ooh. you know, you like to be slapped and choked and I stuff didn't like say that. that. Sounds no, fun. I'm, I'm now, talking about I him, but I'm looking it. at you because <laughs> um, you in it too. But it, I, I, I think I was very worried about becoming HIV positive before I actually became HIV positive because that was also what was pushed. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of stigma around it. And I'm sure that I was an active participant in that stigma because I remember people throwing around like, oh, you got the HIV, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And people still say that. But that was I you didn't I didn't even realize that I was probably uh, contributing. I was contributing or mm-hmm. people around me were contributing and I wasn't checking them because I also didn't know a lot about sex, um, wasn't very educated on sexual matters, didn't get the education from family, really. And. In school, you watched one video probably, and that was given. Uh, it was given childbirth. It wasn't even giving mm-hmm. like I don't think I really learned in in high school about it either. So mm-hmm. ignorance was was yeah. bliss, and you don't know what you don't know. So mm-hmm. that's that was that's that's my answer on that. But what about you, Demont? Mine's is I guess a little different. I think for me it was just like condom use is a given, mm-hmm. and then that was like what I did. But like all the apprehension, I would like especially when I was younger. I wouldn't say I had it. I think that um, I, I recently watched this thing on HBO Max called It's a Sin. Ooh, yeah. And it's an inter- It's another one of those things about the, the AIDS crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think they do some things really well, some things that I didn't love, like centering the white twink again as a main character and using his people of color to kind of feed his story through without going into their background. Didn't love that. Mm. But what I think Typical. that it did a really, really good job of was um, juxtaposing youth with the experience of contracting HIV and evolving into AIDS in that time period. Yeah. Because when you're 20, 19, 20, that young, you feel invincible. Right. You feel like you can yeah. go out, do anything, and nothing's going to happen to you. Ever. And I think that show the did an excellent hurt. job. Of, huh, he I'm said sorry. the knees don't hurt. No, seriously. <laughs> right? like, hangovers don't exist. Hangovers don't exist. Like you're invincible. It's just like you do crazy shit. Like you, do, you go out, get on the train, fall asleep, wake up in the Bronx. Period. That is a crazy concept to Woo, me now. Listen. And I've done that when I was you just... You ever fall asleep on the train and rode all the way to Brooklyn, back to Harlem, back to Brooklyn? That, that has happened. I woke Two up one time, I was like, where am I? The yeah. last stop. But like that that sense of in, <laughs> invincible, it's just like, I'm invincible. I know if I use a condom, then everything's fine. And I'm just like, 
that's how I thought about sex. And it was really, really, I guess, lighthearted in my approach to it, especially because at that point I wasn't necessarily like looking for love or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> right. But as like we've, uh, I guess, evolved and learned more about what it means to be undetectable, what it means to uh, have treatment, what it means to be on prep. Have you all had experiences? I guess, Tony, how's your experience been dating as a person who is undetectable? And yeah. then for Jordan and I, like, have you dated someone with who is undetectable? And what's, what's that been like for you mentally? Uh, mm-hmm. Tony, maybe we'll start with you. Yeah, I, I think in the beginning when I first found out I was undetectable, I mean, not undetectable, HIV positive, um, at first, I once I got medication and treatment, I was good about not letting it affect me mm-hmm. um, and letting myself be able to still live a normal, you know, active sex life. But then later on and even present day, like I talk to you guys about this all the time, that it became a thing where it's always in the back of my mind that mm-hmm. I'm HIV positive and it kind of, it did and does mentally affect my sexual drive. And it wasn't until after talking about um, being HIV positive last season that I actually am now starting to have conversations with other positive people who say that they experience the same thing. Mm. And that's a conversation I never got to have Yeah, that I now am like, okay, well, bitch, I'm not crazy. Like, this is normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I actually, when I think back on it, I never... I don't recall having an experience where someone told me that they were HIV positive before engaging in sex. Now, it doesn't mean that I haven't unknowingly slept with someone who was positive. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know. Like, they didn't disclose that information, which you don't have to, Mm -hmm. which I now am more educated and know better. Mm -hmm. Um, But I have had experience with telling someone that I'm HIV positive before engaging in sexual activity. Um, And I think the the vulnerability seemed to, like, it was like I, it was hot to them, you know. It mm. was like, oh, you could tell me this, like, right? You, you are God fearing man. You <laughs> it was given like, yes, you better tell me it the was truth. The, like, it was <laughs> yeah. almost, it was almost like they were more into me or more, right. you know. And I, I was like, wow. So telling you, telling, standing in your truth and just coming out with it, um, people put more respect on your name, and I, I love that. So I, what yeah. about what about you, Tamara? That's would have been my experience on the other side of that yeah just because i think that one people who are undetectable and who are managing their health are likely going to the doctor keeping Mm -hmm. up with any type of testing way more than some people who maybe are on prep aren't prep whatever the scenario may be and that's kind of what i found like one of the i've dated a guy and he was just like listen I am religiously going to the doctor every three months, having my blood checked, whatever, so on and so forth. So like, right, yeah. And I'm also managing my HIV through my medicine, so I'm undetectable, so I can't transmit to you anyway. Um, okay. And I think that it's just been a thing that at this point in my life, there is a level of knowledge and knowledge is power. Like, stop being a fucking idiot. Like, right. you're not. Nothing's going to happen to you by having sex or being involved with someone who is undetectable. Um, and. It, it, it's that simple. Like it, 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 it's it had it's never been a thing for me with someone I've dated who who was open and honest about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Jordan, what about what about you? I share the same answer as you, Tony. Um, I haven't had sex with someone who like I've never had sex with someone who I knew knowingly knew had HIV positive status. Mm-hmm. But to your point, 
that doesn't mean that it hasn't happened. Right. Um, I can't say that I've had a detailed conversation about status with all of my partners. Right. Um, so it could have happened, but just, you know, beyond my knowledge. So do you guys think that status is becoming less of a point of conversation? Like there was a, there was a big point in like hookup app culture, grinder, so on, where mm-hmm. people would always be like, oh, what's your status? Yeah. Or people yeah. put their status in, the, like, is it? important to people anymore and i don't want to diminish it that much but like what do, what do you jordan maybe start there since so i want to start with a question mm. because um i do remember those days when what's, my, what's our status no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what's no. your status at the bank what's your status at the bank <laughs> Ooh, we don't want to talk about the last part of that um that monologue where she was cashing a, tr- uh, a check okay. oh mm-hmm. but you know the country well. did, did that too um so like so <laughs> I, rem- I remember vividly, like you said, like back in the day when there was like hookup culture, like what's your status? But there was also this question like, are you DD free? Mm. What I know that it meant disease free, but what does that second D mean? Drug. Ah, never knew that. Interesting. Found yeah. that out on today. I don't I don't remember seeing DD free stuff. You like... could see it right now, Chuck. Get on grind. <laughs> really? <laughs> Interesting. Okay. That's fun. Okay, so I, I learned something new, but um, the answer to my actual question is yeah, I think that. Um, I do think that is less of a conversation. And I think it's because people now have the power to protect themselves more. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I talked about this in my last response, but I think before you instilled so much faith in this person that yeah. they were telling you the truth. And I think now it's sort of like, you know what? I don't really have to know what's going on with you. I know that I'm protected. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm doing what I have to do to take treatment or preventative um, med- medication to make sure that I am okay yeah. mm-hmm. um, and that I am safe. And I was even looking at some official websites, but um, condoms are 98% effective and mm-hmm. PrEP is 99% effective. Mm-hmm. Like just like that sort of like shocked me a little bit that PrEP is actually more effective the, and I mean, this is specifically for Descovy, which is um, one brand of the um, of, of preventative medication. But, um, yeah, I think that people just have the confidence and the power to protect themselves. So, you know, you don't really have to rely so much on the other person sort of disclosing everything. Mm-hmm. Tony? Yeah. I, you, you know, remember being a young lad hmm. and you would get on those apps and it was asked perpetually like what's your status are you you mm-hmm. know negative like but even when you would go and meet someone in person they would it, it would be like asked mm-hmm. even if someone was lying and told you what they wanted to tell you i right. think it was more of it still happened i've definitely seen and noticed that there's been a trend of the question being asked less and less and i think that's obviously due to the advancement in medicine so i i kind of equated like i'm calling it like a a pre-prep and a post-prep era Mm -hmm. um of how everyone's moving because now everyone is if you go on grinder if you go on jack Mm -hmm. and go on those apps there they have in their in their bio what have you like on prep taking prep whatever they want to say to to let you know that they're taking that medication that preventative medication and again whether it be true or false it's like it's the risk you take right so i i also think it's it's weird that people approach that conversation purely from the sense of a person who is or who who is positive, as if putting all the onus. Like you don't have to disclose your medical history to somebody. Like, right. If if I as a person am participating in quote risky sexual practices and mm-hmm. behavior, I am assuming said risk. Yeah. Yes, it is, is my responsibility yes. to use a condom. It is my responsibility to 
take medication that can I can use as preventative treatment. It's my responsibility to not have sex with a person that I may not know well. Right. Or my, my decision to do that. Yeah. The and power then, like, is yours. Right. And we always like want to blame like that's bullshit. Um, so like we spoke a lot about kind of the post prep era. How is that um, the advancements in medication affected our own personal practices? Like are there things that you, you do now that you didn't do before? Um, in regards to prep, condom use, multiple partners, ho- however you get down with the get down. Uh, Miss T? So, I mean, first, for starters, because I just talked about, like, being in my head, and it's very, it's a very, it's meta. It's very meta for <laughs> it's me. It's very meta. It's very meta today. very meta, and sometimes I'm just like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> what's going on? But, you know, I'm like, I'm great at this, you know? <laughs> I have I'm amazing sex. Um, there she goes. All right so, now. Okay, Rihanna. <laughs> but Sell, I'm, selling I'm, cat on the internet. Listen. I'm, but I'm, I'm definitely, I'm having less sex. Uh, and, and also I think, you know, we blame everything on COVID, but I, I do better with like meeting people in person uh, and having that exchange, but I'm having less sex. Um, and so it's a shame because all of this is going to waste. But <laughs> I also don't feel that I'm, I'm necessarily as pressed about the hunt. Don't, don't worry, she's in her two week incubator phase oh, from her, her, her vaccines. Okay. Um, but <laughs> listen, I, my ideal situation would be to find someone that I'm that I'm sexually compatible with, and we have it's a hunky dory moment. Mm. Mm. Um, but I, I found <laughs> in my research that people, by far and large, are less interested in using condoms. Mm. And I can't say that I've always used protection, mm-hmm. and every time that I have sex. Um, but I will say, due to the advancement in medic med- medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, my my other struggle is that just because there's prep and people who are HIV positive can get treatment and be undetectable, I'm like, but what about the other shit? <laughs> who likes to be going to the damn clinic just because you can? Mm-hmm. So that's it's, that's the meta moment I'm always having too. It's be right. like, all right, do I want to? You know, I listen. Sex with no condoms feels amazing. We all know that. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, it's Russian roulette. Definitely so. Russian roulette. <laughs> I go, I go back and forth. I go back yeah. and forth. I think, I don't know, I definitely evolved. Like, before it was just like, condom every time. Cannot say that's true. Wouldn't mm-hmm. say it was. Mm-hmm. Um, post-prep. Um, I think that the thing about now being on prep, in addition to the fact that I, I can't contract HIV, mm-hmm. um, but it's also, it forces me to go to the doctor on time every three months to mm-hmm. get all my tests done. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas before, it was just like, oh, did I? Is it time for me to go again? It was a little more loosey-goosey, to be honest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it's definitely helped me with, even if my sexual practices have been a little riskier, it has definitely helped with maintaining a regimen as far as testing and so on. And I think even in the situations where, so like, I guess right now in my life, I'm a little monogamous I would say in my sex life. That's different. That's different for me. Um, But (laughs) the, in doing that and like in, in, in instances where like I have had a a moment with someone that didn't involve a condom that wasn't someone I was this close with. And I'm going to the clinic the next day. Okay. (laughs) Give me the shot. <laughs> I was just, just like, go ahead. You know, you know that meme of Judge Judy when she's doing right. the, these type of I'm just like, y'all, I feel like I've been exposed. <laughs> Give me the shot, the pill, whatever it would take. We'll figure out if it's negative when it comes back, but let's just clear it all, anything <laughs> up right now. Um, so, yeah, but I, I think that, that, that that's been my life. Okay. okay. Jordan, 
Um, yeah, I mean, similar to you, I think that living in a post-prep world, condom usage is definitely less frequent than it was before. Um, but I think that for me, it varies from partner to partner. And I think there's a series of different um, factors. Um, I think comfort level is something that's really important. Like I, I, like, I think that it matters if the other person, like obviously if the other person just feels more comfortable with the condom, wear the condom. Like, but if you have like a conversation and you feel like it checks out, live your life. You do take a risk. Like, like Tony said, uh, there could be a potential visit to a clinic, mm -hmm. but I think that um, we're all adults and you have to figure out what risk you're willing to take and Ultimately, like Demond said, it's your responsibility to um, protect yourself. So, 100%. you know, while I while condom use is like less frequent um, these days, you know, I, I still think that there needs to be like those conversations that you're having mm -hmm. just just to like establish some level of trust. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's still important. Yeah. OK. Um, so, yes, we like to, here. We like to have serious conversations with the tinge of fun. Uh, but we did want to acknowledge that a lot of the conversation we just had is centered around privilege that we have. I think obviously we all live, we all work our corporate jobs. We have top rated health care. Even if we didn't, we live in New York City where there are tons of options and um, places for us to have access to resources if we didn't have uh, good health care. But that's not the case for so many people, especially in the black queer community. Um, and from here, I think we'd like to expand on the topic and conversation and bring in our guests for the uh, this week, guys. So, yes, uh, we're very excited about our guest today, um, and it's a very special guest. It was yes. It's actually poetic how we met and how we have this, like, new budding relationship, and we're really excited about where we go from here. So, Deshaun Usher is an award-winning advocate, published researcher, and celebrated leader within the LGBT community and HIV prevention field. Deshaun currently serves as the program officer, Communities of Color at GLAD, get into it, and he is the founder and executive director of Mobilizing Our Brothers Initiative, otherwise known as MOBI, also major. And MOBI is a series of curated social connectivity programming for black, gay, and queer people of color. We love that. So today, we welcome Deshaun Usher to our Surface Level family. Woo. Welcome. Hey. My goodness, so happy to have you here. Yes. So, happy to be here. Yes, so we're not going to drill you with questions quite yet. Well, we are, but um, <laughs> some light questions to start. She's not okay? going to you yet. <laughs> she started out lying. <laughs> I had to catch myself. Hold on now. Um, so what we like to do is we like to do a series of this or that questions just to familiarize you with our listeners, and they mm -hmm. can get a sense of who you are. And then, you know, we'll go into some more topical questions. So, okay. New York City or Atlanta? Choose wisely. Is it pre-COVID or because? Oh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Does COVID exist in Atlanta? No, it doesn't. <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> what did you did you pick Atlanta. something? Atlanta. Okay, I'm gonna have uh, to come visit. Yes, we have to. We have to go out there. Yes. Tony, the super spreader. Yeah. Well, <laughs> one. A vaccinated bitch. So, <laughs> Hello? Uh, driver or passenger? Driver. Okay. Mm. That's why you picked Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> uh, be able to play 10 different instruments beautifully or speak 10 different languages fluently? 
I love to travel, so languages. Okay. Yes. I love that, too. Um, successful career or happy family life? Happy family life. Okay. Work. Be decent in everything or incredibly talented in one thing? <laughs> Give me incredibly talented in one thing. Yes, focus, focus those talents, baby. Um, text or call? Calls. Hmm. Yeah. Would you rather be painfully aware or blissfully ignorant? Painfully aware. Ooh. Oh, I know that it is painful to be so aware sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> TV series or movie? TV series. Dinner with Beyonce or Michelle Obama? <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard one. I knew this was going to create a pause. That's hard. I know. Like, I would, I would like to go to dinner with Beyonce. Yeah. Just feel like we'll have way more to talk about. <laughs> yes. Um, beach or city? Beach. Okay, um, and then when you're going to the beach, would you rather have a pre-made travel tour or build your own itinerary from scratch? Build my own. Okay, yeah. and you're in a relationship, right? Did I see that correctly? Yeah, okay, so I saw you two. You guys are so cute in your trip to Curacao. <laughs> Work. So, imagine like, that one there for like an, you extent, gotta, an you extended gotta, stay. You gotta ask sometimes. He, he, he was like, we, we broke up last night. night. <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> a for, for a full <laughs> month. <laughs> <laughs> right, no, still together, but yeah, Carousel for a month. Yeah, it looks so month. beautiful. Yeah, come on, Black History Month. Um, so um, I'm interested to know what your love language is. And for the listeners who don't know what the options are, um, they're words of affirmation, physical touch, receiving gifts, quality time, or acts of service. My love language is words of affirmation yeah. got it so we'll make sure we have, add a lot of compliments throughout the episode <laughs> tell me i'm tell me i'm beautiful, yeah, <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> again <laughs> work, work all right so well Deshaun, um we thought that we start this conversation uh with an excerpt that we found on your instagram page recently and you said and i quote five years ago one and two black gay bi and other men who have sex with men had a lifetime risk of contracting HIV, not because they increased, they had increased sexual risk, but because systems like healthcare and organizations continuously failed them by not prioritizing their holistic needs. And that was like a word, <laughs> you know? And so we shared that, we talked about it, we discussed it, and we was like, let's, let's start there. And it was a powerful statement, and we know this to be true, especially in more suburban rural areas. So a lot of the work that you've done and are doing is centered around uh, community management and engagement rooted in these issues. So can you first just tell us, like, what does that work involve? What did that look like? Ooh, it's a lot <laughs> in the sense of because I'm also a part of the community. Um, and so it's not something that you just switch off, right? And so when we usually think about, we can go to work and then we can like clock out. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm still always going to be black. I'm always going to be gay. 
Um, and I'm constantly surrounded by people that are affected and impacted by HIV. Um, and so for me, I think it's just understanding that how do you like create like spaces for folks, one, to tell their stories, but then two, like actually get them resources to be in a better position. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, it's, it, it takes a big person and someone who has a lot to, to give. Like it's, for me, it's, it's giving like an Oprah Winfrey, um, <laughs> just someone who has so much to pour out into the community. And it's a, it's a really big deal. And just speaking, just keeping in line with that, like we know that cost is one of the most prohibitive aspects that prevent black queer people from either seeking or getting treatment. Um, and for instance, like it's really mind blowing that the retail price for prep is around 2000 bucks for a 30 day supply. Insane. Like gag, you know, and the retail price for HIV treatment is around $3,200 for a 30 day supply. It's insane. So we're curious to know from you, what other major barriers have you seen that are concerning when it comes to getting treatment and, you know, being sexually healthy? Yeah, I think the first thing is like literally access. Um, so when we think about like even before the cost, it's like if you don't have access to like actually access the clinic, the um, like doctor, it, like it, it's like like you don't have transportation, you don't have reliable like ways to actually navigate your health, right? Um, you could have a job that provides actual health insurance, but you may end up not being able to take a day <laughs> to actually go to the doctor. Um, and so when you also think about your doctor visits, it's also one of these things where you have to be able to schedule around, right? Um, like, and have like that privilege to go to the doctor. Um, because some doctor's visits, they can be like 20 minutes, an hour. Um, and then it's like, how does that like play into it like throughout the day? Everyone doesn't have a, the type of job where you can just like leave work and go to an appointment in the middle of the day. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. a lot of us don't think about that. Right. I, so yeah. one thing I wanted to, to, to talk about is that like, do you in your experience with um, community engagement, do you see that there's like just this lack of interest in pursuing um, like seeking uh, medication or healthcare because I think that one thing that's been that's like you know top of the mind is that this vaccine rollout is having everyone talk again about like you know the way in which healthcare systems neglect our communities to start with and how we have an mm -hmm. apprehension to move forward um, with healthcare. Um, do you think that that is at play at all? Do you think that people are just like you know what? No, I don't even want to be bothered with this because I don't really believe that there's true value that can come from the healthcare system because of who I am as a person? No. Um, I think I, it, I think for me, it's the opposite, like where it's often people just don't know. Like we usually don't talk about like health literacy, right? And how are people actually aware of what's available? Um, we have to also address that like there's often medical mistrust there's often system failures. Um, and so 
your experience of like trying to access healthcare, like there could be an instance that like just throws it off, right? Um, I was gonna go get a COVID vaccine. Well, my boyfriend was gonna get one yesterday, and the line for <laughs> the vaccine literally was wrapped around the Mercedes Benz. It was giving Janet. <laughs> it, it was giving a Beyonce concert. <laughs> <laughs> And and it's ridiculous to think that, like, it has to come to that, like, where, like, you have to, like, be, quote unquote, pre-qualified to even access a vaccine. Um, but then also, when you think about, like, your determin determinants of, like, what would cause you to either stay in that line because you feel as if, like, this vaccine will be valuable or this medication or this whatever it is that you're trying to access or like just give up, right? Because you still have a whole day and a whole um, other like things, a life <laughs> that like has to go on. And I think like oftentimes we don't talk about like how those actual infrastructure barriers like continue to prevent like folks, particularly people of color from actually being engaged inside of healthcare. Right, yeah. Well. So Deshaun, we, we talk a lot about HIV in this episode, and I'm, I'm happy that we are having these conversations. And I just want to kind of pivot a little bit because HIV isn't viewed as a scary thing it once was anymore due to the advancement of medicine. However, now we're seeing a rise in our community being dis disproportionately affected by party drugs, specifically meth addiction. Uh, for instance, like there was a, an article by, put out by BuzzFeed News that, pub, um, that talked about how white gay men are destroying black queer lives with party and play sex and meth addiction, seeing fatalities uh, double from the drug to 13,000 between the year 2015 and 2018, according to the CDC. So we want to just ask you, like, what is the healthcare system doing to address the proliferation of meth addiction within the black queer community, if anything? Um, they're doing the same thing that they always do whenever there's communities, particularly minority communities that are impacted by like health disparities. Nothing and not enough. Um, and it's crazy to think that like when meth Tina, Party and Play, all the other descriptors <laughs> of it, like, came out and it was, like, this serious issue, particularly amongst, like, white gay men, there was, like, this intervention, right, of, like, the campaigns to get people help, the campaigns to get people resources, the campaign to get people, like, clean, quote-unquote, um, and to wean them off of like meth and restore their lives. And then when it took a shift, it's one of those things of where, again, like who is it impacting now? Um, and it's similar, like in it, and you can literally draw the parallel between HIV, right? When it started and it was like known as this black gay, black gay, white gay um, disease. And then like how it took that turn and once it started affecting more communities of color, the awareness went down, the campaigns went down, the resources went down, the like public outcry and support um, went down. And so it really is just understanding that like, you know, sometimes these systems aren't fully set up to treat and preserve black lives. Um, 
And I think that's the conversation we don't often have as to why there aren't these campaigns, why there aren't these resources, and we know who's impacting, and it's largely because it it looks like us. Right. And what you're saying is hits the nail on the head because as you talk about like drugs that affect the white community in large numbers, like we've seen the response to opioid addiction be mostly sympathetic. You know, it's like, woe is me. But we're wondering, like, can black queer folks expect the same response um, as it's related to, you know, meth addiction? Or will it be treated like the crack epidemic where they criminalize our community instead? Yeah, I think when it comes to meth, particularly within our community, it's how the community, like, responds to it. Because realistically, it's going to be us that are working towards like bringing the awareness that like are working towards bringing the resources but it is just thinking that when folks are impacted particularly like like what like what could be done um like in what more could actually be done um when we think about it yeah and speaking of what more can be done uh as individuals uh, we always want to do our part And we want to figure out how we can support and help our community because, like you said, it's a lot. A lot of the times, it starts with us, and it's us making the push and doing the work. So we're wondering what we can do um, to win the fight against substance abuse. Like, what can we do as individual contributors? I think it's about like stigma, right? And so it's like not shaming folks, not stigmatizing folks for using it. Um, I think it's really trying to figure out why are folks using it Um, and really like honing as to like the why. We usually don't talk about the why, right? And so usually it's sometimes it stems from loneliness. It stems from like the thrill. Sometimes it stems from someone literally having an interaction with someone and not even knowing like the effects of meth because we're not also talking about like, what is the effects of meth? How is it highly addictable? Why is it highly addictable? Um, And so I think like oftentimes it's again about like that community response to like be able to create this cultural approach to not stigmatizing and shaming folks um, for using meth. Right, I think in in my only knowledge or when I hear about meth, it's just, it's a joke. The girls are giving like, is it meth? Like, that's what you see on, you know, social media or like when you're you're with your girlfriends and the girls are giving like, is it drugs? Is it meth? Um, But Damon, you had a comment. Yeah, no, I think I was, um, it was interesting. We were talking about this topic and we brought up the comparison to the sensitivity around opioid addiction and how people are stigmatized in other ways. And I was, go with me for a second. Mm -hmm. But I was reading an article about um, Robin Thicke and he was talking about his um, battle with like pill addiction and opi- opioids and such. And he said something that I thought was really interesting. He was saying that when you have an addiction to pills, it's something that you can't see. Like you don't reek of alcohol. Mm. It's like you're not losing your teeth or whatever the, the effects of certain other drugs are. So it's not as visible. Mm. So even when you have said addiction, people still view you as the human with the problem. Versus mm-hmm. people will stigmatize you as, oh, this person's a crackhead. 
or this person, like when you see the results of meth on a person physically, I think that for not just our community, but as humans, you view them in a different light. When they're going through the same struggle, it's just that yeah. the effects are different. And I think that people approach them oftentimes with a lower um, level of sensitivity. Um, and I think that's back to Deshaun's point about um, destigmatizing and really seeing the person right. and understanding the why. It's all the same. It's just because because it may look a bit messier to you, it, it's easier to make that person out as a joke right. or as a caricature or something. Um, so that 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 was just a thought I was having. Uh, that was I thought an interesting take and something I hadn't necessarily thought about as much this week. Definitely interesting. Yeah. yeah Jordan, I, what do you think? I mean, it's also. Oh, go ahead, Deshaun. Yeah, I was gonna say, and it's also like it's easy for folks to disconnect, right? Like to compartmentalize that, like, oh, that's someone else's issue, and that's what they're going through, and that's not like me. Absolutely, right. Absolutely. And I think that, like, to I think Deshaun and Demond, you both made this point, but like really educating yourself on what the side effects and what the symptoms are, right? Because I think that, you know, before before I actually really took the time to like read about meth, I just thought it was like you just see it on someone's skin, you see like you see it with someone's um, teeth, mm -hmm. but there are so many other things that um, could potentially be a symptom like psychosis and paranoia. And I think that if you sort of brace yourself for um, those side effects, I think it allows you to your point, demand to have a little bit more compassion and see the humanity in someone. And I think it's very easy to see someone who's struggling from a drug addiction or misuse of drugs, and then you see them have a weak moment or have like a fit of anger or um, something that you just don't approve of. And immediately you sort of, you know, dehumanize them in that moment. And you mm -hmm. can't really see the humanity behind, you know, the side effects and how the symptoms are showing up. So I think that educating yourself and preparing yourself that if you are dealing with a friend that has um, meth addiction, that these may show up and you need to sort of be prepared for them. Right. And you need to know how to respond to these side effects because they're very real and they aren't personal. Mm -hmm. right. um, so I think that's super important to just like have a successful interaction if you're trying to intervene in a positive way. Yep. So Deshaun, as I, I mentioned earlier, like because of everything that's going on in our community, like you, you started a thing. You literally founded a, <laughs> a, an entire moment, and you're I'm the executive director, a moment, <laughs> of uh, mobilizing our brothers initiative, otherwise known as Moby. And we w just want to take this moment to ask, um, what is Moby doing to help create awareness around sex health in our community? Uh, what sorts of things do you guys do? Yeah, so with Moby, <clears throat> the whole reason for starting it was largely because there wasn't an, a space for that I particularly had seen that like represented us, like that approached us. And it's funny because when you all were talking um, earlier about like your experiences of like sex education and how like condoms literally were like thrown and shoved down your throat and slapped across your face okay you hold in on that moment <laughs> <laughs> but it but it's true and, and because it really is it creates like and it's a real thing of like this condom fatigue um because i don't think folks truly understand like if you're a black queer person what it means to navigate like your adult life or your coming of age life 
um, if you're particularly HIV negative, because that takes work, right? And so it, it, it's not just something that like you just wake up and, you know, pray for the best. It's like, no, you have to actively take measures to like remain HIV negative. Similar to if you seroconvert and you're a person living with HIV, you still have to take measures <laughs> to remain like healthy and remain like undetectable like for yourself mainly and for others but it's just really just thinking like we don't we we just like don't have like those spaces to one have those conversations and have organizations or initiatives that look at us holistically right um it's usually like looking at the behavior um and so for me when it came to moby it was like there's plenty of organizations that have been around for 30, 40 years that have gotten funding to do work in quotation and quotations <laughs> with um, black gay men, um, particularly to prevent HIV, particularly to do um, like direct service work. Um, and then you hear statistics of one in two and no one is doing anything. Um, and so when I heard that statistic in 2000, 16 in 2017 i wrote the grant for moby um because it was like if someone else isn't going to do it then like we we have to do something at least in the meantime i mean even if it's just like creating programming that links community to direct resources so that they know that it's available and hold um community-based organizations that are giving funding for our community accountable um, but also creating a safe space for our community to come and convene um, and meet those providers where they are. Um, so we do Moby Talks, which is this series of personal and professional development um, talks. And for us, like it's showing the gamut of professionalism. Um, so it, it's not just like doctors, lawyers, attorneys. It's like we also want to know like the porn stars and we also want to know like because again those are people of influence within our community right and in porn is a whole industry and a profession um and so it, it it's one of those things that we can't ignore and oftentimes again we try to like ignore certain things without addressing the full person um but then also having other folks that like you know, are in entertainment, other folks that are doing um, like fashion, other folks that that could just, again, provide like these blueprints to let us know that it's possible. Um, and so it's really just showcasing like this possibility model um, because we can't talk about holistic healthcare and holisticness if we don't show like what's actually possible um, and sort of kind of learn and create that network for other folks. And then we do um, Moby Fest, <laughs> which is a wellness festival. Um, and what we usually had did, again, pre-COVID, <laughs> was to do, like partner with other community-based organizations across the city. Um, so then it would like one raise like that these clinics and these um, organizations have services for Black gay men. 
And it's not just limited to your sexual health. Um, so they have nutrition classes, they have um, fitness classes, they have career um, workshops. It's So it's just like trying to highlight those other services that they offer. But oftentimes, whenever they see Black gay men, it's, would you like an HIV test or would you like to get um, linked to care? And it's like, well, I just came here to, you know, <laughs> probably get out of my resume. <laughs> oh my Format goodness. my resume. So, right. But, but it's like, but those things aren't usually offered to our community, um, even though they exist within those organizations. And so um, MobiFest was just like this opportunity for people to take ownership of their health um, while being connected to these different um, services that are available for free often um, to them to then celebrate like that um, ownership that they would have taken. You know what? That that boyfriend of yours, he got a, a, young, mm-hmm. bla- a young black king on his hands. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, how, so impressive. And it's impressive because it is. It's, it's giving, like, the moment and I'm, I'm, I, we want to say how proud we are of the work that you're doing, and we are so happy to like know you, um, in, in this capacity and be able to, you know, do our part and participate and help. We've been to MobiFest, um, we participated, and that actually was going. It's a great segue to, uh, how we like to end because we wanted to talk about what's coming up. Um, anything that's in the works and you also work at GLAD so if there's something on that front too like please let people know where they can find more information where they can follow you just all of that we put it all out there for us <laughs> put it all out alright um, so if you want to learn more about Moby um, you can go to mobi-nyc.com um, follow us on Instagram at just literally at Moby NYC. Um, we have the talks that is happening. Um, so that'll roll out in April. And then we, it, it's a digital series, so it'll be part four. And this one is going to really center like entrepreneurship and innovators within different industries. So then we can continue to amplify and elevate those folks. Um, and then we have MobiFest coming back again, um, June 3rd. So super excited about that. Um, the talent this year is going to be amazing, um, but it's all black, all queer. <laughs> and we you know, are super excited about that. Um, so stay tuned for that. And then on the GLAD front, it's like, so many things. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and. Right. It was like, and you could learn about GLAD <laughs> at GLAD.org, G-L-A-A-D.org. Uh, um, but I do a lot of work um, with communities of color, particularly across the South, um, and, and have like this focus on HIV um, with telling, helping people um, tell their stories and amplify and train them. Um, so I'm sure there'll be trainings happening. Um, there are some consultancy things that I'm doing with Hollywood and like trying to tell better stories. Um, so if they're like, so it's a sin, it's funny, it was one of those things that we had talked about um, earlier, but like being able to support that because 
I mean, it's, you're right <laughs> on to everything that you said, but it is just thinking of like, how do we continue to tell like other stories about HIV and AIDS that also aren't centered around like white twinks? Um, so, yeah. You know what? If, if Booked and Busy was a black gay man, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're listening to him right now. <laughs> love that. Love that. Cool. Um, all right, guys. So that's all the time we have this week. Uh, let us know your questions and comments at our Instagram page at Surface Level Podcast or our official website at surfacelevelpodcast.com. You can watch our responses in our new video series, Surface Level Sound Off, on Instagram and YouTube. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, subscribe, and remember, stay curious.